Duh. While I'm putting this microphone up, trying to. Uh, right after church today, if you want to sign up for their newsletter, talk to them at all. They're going to be out there in the lobby. And so uh, they'll be hanging out there for a while. You guys can talk to them, answer questions that they have, pray with them. Uh, make sure, though, to sign up for their newsletter. Uh, some of you already get that. Many of you may not. Uh, they'll uh, regularly email that to you, but make sure you sign up for that this morning. All right. Hey, we're going to pray in just a minute, but I want to welcome everybody that's at our uh, church today. If today's your very first time, my name's Mark. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are just excited and honored that you would come here this morning. And if you are here, you're a first-time guest, you're a returning guest, I want to invite you to uh, visit the welcome table out there in the lobby. It's the first table you'll see when you walk out those doors. We've got a free gift for all of our first-time guests and returning guests. Uh, you can pick that up just by going out there to the table this morning. We'll put that in your hand. just takes a couple of seconds. As soon as the sermon is over, right after our time here uh, in, in God's Word, uh, we're going to receive our offering. And what we do every Sunday as we receive our offering is we ask everybody as they're making preparations for the offering also to fill out that connection card that you guys got in your seats, and uh, so you can let us know anything that God does in your life, any way we can pray for you. We really do actually follow up uh, with prayer requests and all of that, and, and, and any decision that you make, we try to, there's a team that gets together every Monday, and we work several hours on following through with those, but we all take just a minute and uh, to fill those out and to let us know what God did in your life today, you can put that in the offering basket as it goes around at the end of our service, all right? So, hey, let's pray really quick. Let's pray uh, this morning and ask God to speak to us. Father, thank you so much for what we have already seen and heard. God, I thank you so much, Jesus, for, for how you have revealed yourself to us this morning. We pray you just continue to do it. Father, I pray that, Jesus, you would open up our hearts and our minds right now, and Jesus, anything that would try to distract us, remove it. Anything that would try to come, to come against us, Remove it. Father, anything that would kind of take us out of this moment where we have the opportunity to hear from you and engage with you, remove it. And Jesus, that we would see you. We've already seen you in worship. We've already seen you and been challenged to believe and to trust as the drama team stood up here. And Jesus, we've already been challenged, like we've been talking about for the past several weeks, praying big prayers as Corey uh, just shared a moment ago. Father, we, we are hearing from you, Father, and we want to receive anything that you have for us today. And so, God, anything that would be in the way of that, remove it. Let's call this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, after church today, make sure you stick around. There's several students that are getting baptized today, and I want our entire church to make sure you're outside and cheering those teenagers on as they are following Jesus in baptism, okay? It's a big deal. That's a really big deal, all right? I think there's at least five that are doing that this morning, and so make sure you stick around after church to do that, okay? Today we are wrapping up the series that we've been in for four weeks. Today's our fifth Sunday in our series, Like Kids. And what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks is having childlike faith, growing our faith, believing God for greater things. And on the last Sunday of this series, I just want to make it real clear, you know, it's, it's so easy to do a, a series like this as we're talking about faith and we're talking about having more faith. You know, one of the ways that we can mess up in, in, a, in a sermon series like this, and as we're thinking through these kind of things, one of the ways that we can mess up is we want our faith to grow, and so we think that in order for my faith to grow, I just need to focus on my faith. 
And so what happens a lot of times is we just look at our faith and we say, do I trust God enough? Do I have childlike faith? Do I have big enough faith? Do I have the kind of faith that Jesus is telling me to have in the Bible? And listen, if you want your faith to grow, do not focus on your faith, all right? Your faith is never going to grow as long as you and I, as long as we focus on our faith. So if you want your faith to grow, don't focus on your faith, focus on God right? Don't focus on your faith. Focus on God. And the more that you look at God by faith, the more your faith will grow. And so today I just want to give us one really simple idea before we go out and we watch the baptisms this morning. I just want to give us this really simple idea that just simply says this, God has and God can. We all say that together just so I know you're still with me here this morning. Let's all say that together. God has and God can. So what in the world does that mean? Here's what that means. What that means is this. We've seen God move in the past. God has moved and done great things in the past. God can do it again. Does anybody believe that? We've seen God make a way. We've seen God provide. We've seen God transform lives. We believe that God can do it again. God has, and we believe that God can do it again. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to open it up to the book of Deuteronomy, all right? So Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, the words are going to be on the screen behind me in just a moment. But we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning, all right? So you can go ahead, and and I think that's in the Summit app as well. You can take notes. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, this is Moses talking. And just to kind of just to kind of build up, set, just to kind of build in front of us the context for what's happening in Deuteronomy. Moses is talking to the generation of the Israelites that's about to go into the promised land. So there's already been a generation who has passed away. It would have been this generation's. It would have been their, their moms, their dads, their grandparents. That previous generation didn't believe God. They sinned against God. And so God says, well, then you're going to wander around, wander through the desert for the next 40 years. And I'm going to let the next generation, I'm going to let your sons, your daughters, I'm going to let the next generation go into the promised land. And so this is the generation that's going to go into the promised land. They're about to see it. I mean, they can look at it. They're filled with anticipation. They're filled with eagerness. I mean, they can see it and they're about to walk right in. Kind of like a bunch of shoppers on Black Friday when Walmart's about to open the door and everybody's going to tackle somebody to get some towels. You know what I'm saying? Actually, it's probably not like that at all, but that's all I could come up with, okay? But I mean, they're just filled with anticipation. And before they go in, this is Moses' farewell address. The entire book of Deuteronomy is one sermon from Moses. Because Moses is going to die by the end of this book. And so this is Moses' farewell address. And so Moses covers all kinds of different topics. But let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's read this together. Moses is speaking and Moses says, The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and and be fed with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. 
Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Take care, watch this, lest you forget. Everybody say forget. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God. By not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten there in a fool and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and your gold multiplies, and all that you have multiplies, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought, your, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know and that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and might by the, by the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember, everybody say remember. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you will perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. If you read that part of the sermon from Moses, Moses goes back and forth between remembering and forgetting. He says, Israel, listen, don't, don't, don't forget what God has done. I want you to remember. I want you to remember how God brought your ancestors out of slavery from Egypt and made them his own people. I want you to remember how God split the Red Sea and brought them across safely. I want you to remember how God fed you with manna. I want you to remember how God gave you water out of the thirsty rock. Because Israel and Summit, the worst thing that you could do is forget what God has done for you. The worst thing that you could do is forget that God is what, what God has done for you. See, when Moses, and more importantly, God, when God is talking to the Israelites, and by extension, you and I, this morning, about remembering what God has done and, and remembering that God can do it again and not forgetting who God is, the, the kind of forgetting that God is talking about, it's not forgetting here, it's forgetting here. The kind of forgetting that God is talking about doesn't, so much, doesn't have a lot to do with our minds as it does with our hearts. This kind of forgetting is a condition of our hearts where we just forget what God has done. See, let me give you some examples here just in case you're wondering, well, how can I know if my, if my heart is really close to forgetting what God has done? See, when our hearts forget what God has done, then our hearts become hardened towards God. So here's some ways that we, you and I, we can know that maybe our heart is becoming hard towards God because we're forgetting what he has done. Here's one, complaining. Anybody complain this week? Don't raise your hand, right? There we go, look at, look, right? For a lot of us, isn't complaining like just like breathing, right? I mean, it's too hot, it's too cold. I hate the fall, I love the fall. I wish the fall was, I, I wish it felt like fall. Well, I hate the summer, I wish that it felt like winter. I just hate, hate, hate. Nothing is right, right? We just complain 
about everything. And for some of us, it's just natural to complain about every single thing in our lives. Philippians chapter 2 says, do nothing with complaining or grumbling. Do nothing. Do, do everything without complaining. Do everything without grumbling. We just lost a lot of people right there. Amen? Right? Like if we obeyed that verse, some of us would just stop talking forever. Right? Why does the Bible say do everything without complaining, with everything without grumbling? Here's why. Complaining is first and foremost against God, not another person or my circumstances. See, if everything comes from God's hand, if every good thing in my life comes from the hand of God, if it's a good and perfect gift from him, if God is in control of all things, then complaining is first against God. Well, yeah, your job might not be the ideal dream job. It might, be, it might not be your ultimate goal. But who gave you the opportunity to step into that job? Who gave you the opportunity to go to that school? Who gave you the opportunity to experience what you're experiencing right now? A lot of times we're complaining about something that somebody else is asking God to do in their life. Right? Or here's another one. Here's another indicator that my heart's becoming hard towards God because I've forgotten what he's done. No thankfulness in my life. Just a lack of thankfulness. People say this all the time. I got nothing to be thankful for. Saying that in an air-conditioned room, probably put that on Facebook from a device that connects you to the entire world. Hello. A lot of us are saying that and we're saved, forgiven, children of God. I got nothing to be thankful for. And And what's happening there is it's revealing my heart. And so what God wants us to do very quickly this morning is God wants us to remember. To remember what he has done because what God has done, God can do again. Amen? To remember what he has done because God can do it again. I think there's three things that God wants us to remember this morning. I'm going to go through these pretty fast, so take notes and try to keep up here. First thing that God wants us to remember this morning that you and I would never forget is that we are fully known and fully loved. That you and I, we are fully known by God in every area and we are fully loved at the exact same time. Listen to verse 2 in chapter 8 again there if you've got your Bible open. Let's go, look at what God says. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. And that he might humble you, testing you to see what was in your, what's the next word, anybody? Heart. See, if you would have been among those Israelites while while they're wandering in the desert for 40 years, I bet there would have been this constant conversation of where's God? God's abandoned us. Why isn't God with us? A lot of times today, we as modern readers of the word of God, we can read the Bible and we can read the 40-year wandering of Israel in the wilderness and we we can think, well, you know what? God just abandoned them in the wilderness. God just let them go and do their own thing. He'll pick them up on the end, but God just let Israel go in the wilderness. But did you see what God said? Get it again. You shall remember that the whole way the Lord your God has led you for these 40 years. God says, you thought that I abandoned you, but I was leading you the whole time. I was there the entire time. Let me ask you a question. Before God even delivered Israel out of slavery of Egypt, did God know that Israel would turn their back on God and they would end up wandering through the desert for 40 years? Did God know it? Absolutely God knew it. Absolutely God knew that the people he was about to set free, his own people, they're going to be filled with bitterness towards God. They're going to be filled with anger towards God. God knew before it even happened that they would turn away from him. Why would God put up with those kind of people? Because God loves those kind of people. That's why. They didn't deserve it, but God loved them. And listen, that's really good news for you and me, is it not? 
That's really good news for you and me. Man, when I read the story of Israel, I see myself in the story of Israel. I don't know about you, and if you're thinking, well, man, I don't struggle with bitterness. I don't struggle with complaining. I don't really struggle with anything we've talked about. Well, then, bro, you're up to preach next Sunday, right? Because I need to hear from you for a while, man. You got your act together. That's really good news for people like you and me because, man, people tell me all the time, Mark, I would love to come to your church, but I can't because I'm divorced. My last church told me I can't come once I got divorced. Mark, I would love to have a relationship with God, but I'm a mess. Mark, I would love to know that God loves me, but I can't quit looking at this stuff. I feel like I can't quit looking at this stuff on the computer. Mark, I would love to have a real vital growing relationship with God, but, but my attitude is in the way. This thing that somebody did to me or said to me is in the way. Mark, I just feel like I'm a mess. Or there's so many Christians that I talk to and they just walk around with this low-grade sense of guilt shame and regret because they just feel like God saved them and then God didn't realize how messed up you were, hello? And then after God saves you, God saves you, a lot of Christians feel like God's looking around in heaven at all the angels and everybody else saying, who knew they were this messed up? I didn't know they was like this, y'all. I wouldn't have entered into this relationship with this person. They can't even put their pants on right. The, the Gospel of John tells us an amazing story. The Gospel of John tells us a story that even if, you, even if you're not a church person, you don't know the Bible at all, you know. There's Jesus and a woman caught in adultery. And it's all, a skin, it's all a plan by the religious leaders who grabbed this woman. She really was committing adultery. That really is a sin. And these religious leaders are really just trying to trap Jesus. But they've got this woman. She's caught right in the middle of this scheme. And Jesus can see right through it. You can read about it in the Gospel of John. But you already know the part that I'm going to go to. Because by the, there, there's a point in the story where Jesus looks and he says what? You guys know it. He says what? He who is without sin, what? Finish it. Cast the first stone. See, you know that. He who is without sin... Cast the first stone. Listen, when Jesus says that, Jesus is not condoning that woman's behavior. He's not saying, hey, listen, guys, nobody's perfect, so I'm just going to let bygones be bygones. I'm going to shove it underneath the rug. It's okay. Don't worry about what this woman's doing because nobody's perfect. That's not what Jesus is saying. When Jesus says, he who is without sin, cast the first stone, Jesus is saying this. Do I know what this woman, do I know what this woman did? Yes, I do. Is it a sin? Yes, it is. But do I love her? Yes, I do. And I'm going to deal with what she did on a cross in Calvary. Not just her sin, but the sin of the whole world. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that we're saved by grace. That we're saved by grace. And it's not of works, lest no one should boast. And so we say, we say Mark, I feel so messed up. Mark, what about, this, what about this really dark thing in my life that nobody knows? Parents don't know, wife doesn't know, husband don't know, kids don't know. Nobody knows about this really dark thing in my life. God knows about it and you are loved. God knew about that before he even saved you and he saved you anyway because he loves you. You might be here today and you would love to have a relationship with God and somebody told you that you've got to have your act together first and you feel like, you know what, I'm too messed up for God to love me. I want you to know today God did not bring you to the forum to condemn you. God brought you to the forum to set you free. Because you are loved. And oh man, we've got an enemy, the spirit, the, we got a spiritual enemy, the devil who wants to hold these things over, your, over our heads. And he says, you messed up. And because you messed up, God doesn't love you. And see, it's in those kind of moments that we need to begin to preach to ourselves and say, God forgave me then, God can forgive me now. God has loved me then, God can love me, th- God can love me now, right? We, we need to remember that we are fully known and we're fully loved. Next thing we got to remember is that God made a way. Number two, God made a way. Never forget that God 
has made a way. Verses three and five, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you didn't know, your fathers didn't know, that he might make you know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse four, your clothing didn't wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. That word manna, it literally means, what is it? Might even mean, I don't know. Probably some bread-like substance, but can you imagine? Israel's, Israel's sitting there, they're eating manna. Dude, what are we eating? I don't know. What is it? I don't know. I don't know what this stuff is. But all I know is that God is taking care of us. All I know, man, is that we wake up and, bro, there's food on the ground. Like it is, like it is literally raining food. Not, just, not, not for the next couple days. Every single day, God gave them exactly what they need so that God would teach them how to trust him every single day, just like God wants to teach you and I that same lesson. But God made a way. We were hungry, and, and we didn't think, we, didn't, we were hungry, we were out here in the desert. There's no McDonald's, no Taco Bell, right? Can't go to the restaurant, there's nothing. God says, I can make a way when you don't see a way. We're thirsty, there's nowhere to get a drink. God says, I can make a way when there's no, when there's no other way, and I'll bring water from a rock. Our church, you didn't know this, maybe you didn't know this. Our church turned six years old today. That's awesome. You can clap for that. Our church turned six. Last Sunday, last Sunday of September, six years ago, we launched our church. And I can tell you story after story of how God made a way for this church. Like this church, listen, listen, this church is not around because I've got it all together and we've got some plan. Bro, if this church was in my hands, we would have shut down six years ago, okay? But God made a way. I'll just give you an example. Uh, we were never supposed to meet right here in the forum. We were originally supposed to meet at the Senior Citizen Center at Perry County Park. We were. And, and, and about three months before that, Stephen Bell, you know, you guys know Stephen, who at, at Hyman First Baptist, he's our worship leader for the first six months, comes here to preach all the time. Stephen said, hey, you know what? I bet they won't let you, but just for fun, call, the, call City Hall one day and see if they'll let you use the forum to have church. I bet they won't do it, probably not. Just call them. So like January or February, I call City Hall and I say, I'm, uh, my name's Mark, I'm starting a church here in town. Uh, let me talk to whoever I need to talk to about the forum. And so they let me talk to somebody that I didn't even know at the time. And I said, my name's Mark, I'm gonna start a church here in Hazard. Uh, I'd like to do my church in the forum if you're interested. And if you are interested, I'll pay you for it. And they said, I promise this is what they said. You'll pay us for it? Let's meet. And so we got together, it's like January, February, and I, and I said, and here's what I said, here's what I said. I said, yeah, we're probably not gonna have to start having church uh, services till the last Sunday of September, so we don't need it till then. We're good to go till then. This was like in January, February. They said, okay, well, well we'll see if you can use it then because we were scheduled to be at the Senior Citizen Center uh, there at Perry County Park. We were gonna have what we call preview services, have church one time, then take a month off just to get used to what having church felt like, help our band get ready and, and all that stuff. Four days before our first preview service, four days before our first preview service, the Senior Citizen Center, we were talking to them and they said, listen, we know what you guys wanting to do. It sounds like an awesome thing, but what you wanna do, we don't think can work in our building. Having kids in certain areas of our building, we can't let you use it. We can't let you use it. There's nothing that'll freak a church planner out like four days before the church service. You ain't got nowhere to do church, y'all. Nothing that'll wake you up. You know what I'm saying? And, and I remember in that moment, I remember in that moment feeling, number one, like I used the bathroom on myself because we'd already advertised this thing all over town. We told, literally, we told thousands of people, y'all need to come to Senior Citizen. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. Now there was no church there. So I went, out to, I went out to our car, and this is what I prayed. This is, this, this, is, this is how theologically profound my prayer was. Here it was. God, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Amen. 
That's, I, literally, that was my prayer. That was honestly my prayer. And then my next thought was, call City Hall. And I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit or what, but I called City Hall and I talked to the person again. I said, listen, y'all remember when we talked? Now it's gonna give you money, have church in September. Can I have it Sunday? They said, you need it Sunday? And, and I said, yes, we need it Sunday. And they said, well, well, you know what? We've actually been talking and your church, if you wanna start having church this Sunday and every Sunday, your church can use our building and you can use it whenever you want. And here's what happened. Back in January or February, I didn't know it when I was meeting with them, but here's what God was doing. God was making a way when I didn't know I was gonna need a way. Do you understand? God was taking care of us when I didn't know we needed to be taken care of. See, have you, how many of you in here, how many of you in here, there's been a, somebody in the room right now, you're in a situation and you're saying this, I don't know if we're gonna make it. I don't know if we're gonna get out of this, but here's what I want you to consider. Do you remember the last time you said this? I hear the equipment is about to break. This is not our equipment. I believe this is Winger's equipment. Uh, literally, it is. There's a big concert here tonight. And so if, if this breaks, I'm going to run out because this ain't ours. So, uh, but how many of you remember, or some of you are in there right now, hey, man, we're not going to make it. But do you remember the last time you said that? Do you remember when you didn't think there was a way out and God made a way out? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When, when you thought it was over, when you thought it was stuck, when you thought there was no way the ends were gonna meet, and then what did God do? God stepped in and God provided. Why? Because God made a way. Here's the last one, number three, and then we're done. Here's the last thing that God wants us to remember. Number three is just this. The miracle's already happened. The miracle has already happened. Listen, never look at the Bible, especially something like this, and say, God's never caused my food to rain out of the sky, Mark. God, I see, I see miracles, I see man, I see all this stuff. Listen, God's never done a miracle in my life. If you're here today, you're a follower of Jesus, maybe that's what you're thinking. You know what, I would love to believe God for a miracle, but Mark, God has never done a miracle in my life. And look at me, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the miracle. The greatest miracle that Jesus Christ could do in your life, if you're a follower of his, the greatest miracle that Jesus could do in your life, he has already done it. Because you were dead and he made you alive. You were caught in sin and, and, and living a life destined for hell, separated from him, and then Jesus stepped in. He has saved you from your sin. He saved you from death, hell, the grave. He's delivered you from your past. He's forgiven your present. He's gonna forgive your future. He's caused you to live forever with him in heaven. You are living eternal life right now in Christ. You will never die. You are the miracle. The miracle's already happened, Summit. It's in your life. And listen, if God can do that, then there is no limit to what God can do in your life. God has answered prayer in the past. God can answer prayer now. God's provided in the past. God can provide now. God made a way in the past. God saved in the past. God can do it today. Man, our story as a church of, uh, over the past six years, there's been so many times where we've seen God step in and make a way. And I tell people this. I was telling somebody this this week. I was in a conversation with somebody this week. And they said, what's God doing at Summit? And I said, well, we're trying to raise $200,000 in six weeks. This person doesn't even go to our church, and I thought they were going to have a heart attack. They said, you're doing what? I said, we're trying to raise $200,000 in six weeks. Do you know why I think that's going to happen? 
And if it doesn't happen the way that we've got it on paper, do you know why I think that God will do something else? Do you know why? Because God has done it every time, over and over. Write this down. God's past performance is the best indicator of his future faithfulness. Let me say it again. God's past, for, past performance, what he's done in the past, is the best indicator of his future faithfulness in your life. Man, there's been so many people, we didn't put it up this morning because of all the things here in the forum, but the banner that we've been writing on for the past six weeks, what are you believing God for? One of the best parts about this series that I didn't even think of is over and over, every single week, literally, of this series, people have come up to me and they said, Mark, I put somebody's name on that banner and they just got saved last week at our church. Mark, I put somebody's name on that banner and they've never been to church. Mark, they're here today, right now. Mark, they're coming next Sunday. Mark, we prayed for that and God did it. If God has done it, God can do it again, amen? If God has done it, God can do it again. So as we walk away from this series, do not walk away from believing God for greater things. Because the power's not in us, strength is not in us. With God, all things are possible, all things. So you might be here today, and the word that God has spoken into your life over the past couple of minutes is God just told you to remember and you just feel stuck. You don't think you're going to get out. Do you remember the last time you felt stuck and didn't think you were going to get out? And God got you out. Remember what God has done. Or maybe the word that God has been speaking into your life over the past couple of minutes for a few of you is God has said, do you remember when you were closer to me than you are right now? And, and listen, nobody's perfect. I'm not trying to condemn anybody or make anybody feel bad, you know, or whatever. But, but, man, do you remember, maybe for somebody in here, do you remember when you were so hungry for the things of God, you were seeking God in his word, man, you couldn't wait to come into worship, you couldn't wait to spend time with God in prayer, and, man, maybe something happened, you drifted away from that, and God has been saying to you, remember that, because I'm bringing you back. Or you might be here today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and God is saying to you, you didn't know it, you didn't know it, but I've been taking care of you the whole time. And you are fully known and fully loved. So that today, you can surrender your life to Jesus and make him your Savior and your Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for what he's done. I thank you that the miracle has already happened. We can, we can do a whole series like this and talk about believing you for greater things. And it's so easy. The devil would want us to think, well, the greater things is never going to happen. The greater things, maybe for somebody else, but not for me. The greatest thing has already happened. Saved, forgiven, sons and daughters of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. There are miracles in this room, and you are not done. And we are believing you for greater things. We are asking you for greater things. God, we are asking you to do greater things right now, Father. If there's somebody that needs to be brought back to you, bring them back. There's somebody that feels like they're in a situation and the devil, maybe other people are saying, why don't you just give up on this whole God thing? Remember, God, remind them of your faithfulness. That God, they would not turn away from you. But God, there might be somebody here today and they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today, they would, that, that God, you would open their eyes to see that they're loved and that today is the day of their salvation. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here today and you just say, Mark, God's telling me, God's telling me today, I need to remember his faithfulness. Mark, I'm in the middle of something. My family is in the middle of something. We're just going through a hard time. Mark, would you pray for me that I can remember the faithfulness of God? If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Just want to remember the faithfulness of God. We're going through something. Would you pray for my family? All over this auditorium are hands. All over this auditorium are hands going up. Father, I just pray for these needs and these families and these people. 
And I thank you that you fully know that situation. Fully know. God, would you remind all of these people, and others maybe didn't raise their hand, they are loved. And you are in it with them. You have not abandoned them. I pray that their faith is strengthened, that their faith would not fail them. Father, if there's anybody here today that needs to surrender their life to you, I pray that today they would make that decision. And maybe that is for you. Maybe today you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. I don't want to end this service without giving you an opportunity to do that. And so today, right now, if you need, to get, if you need, to, if you need God in your life, if you want Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for sin in my life. Pray that you'd save me today. Jesus, be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for loving me and dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. I give my life to you today, right now. Help me to live for you starting in this moment. No, no eyes are open or anything like that. Listen, if you just ask Jesus to save you, to forgive you for your sins and come into your life for the very first time, you just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. Put it high up in the air right now. Say, today, Mark, I'm making that decision. Go ahead and put it high. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just to say, Mark, today I'm making that decision, if that's you. Amen. Father, I thank you for what you have done. Because, God, what you have done is the best indicator of what you're going to do. God, you have been good. You are going to be good. You've been faithful, and you're going to continue to be faithful. And so, Father, we give you all glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's thank God for his faithfulness, for his goodness in our lives today, that we've got a good God who is faithful to us. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. So right now, as our ushers get in place, go ahead and grab your connection card. And You know, several of you raised your hand to say, Mark, that's us. We're going through a situation right now. Why don't you write that down so we can pray for you this week? Any decision that you made, let us know what it is on the back of the card. Maybe you want to begin serving. Maybe you need to get baptized. Any decision that you've made today, anything God did in your life, put it on that card. And in just a moment, as the offering baskets go around, you can drop those cards in there as you give. I want to make one really special announcement before we, before we receive our offering. That, that, that's going to impact everybody. You need to know this. We put it out on Facebook, but I want you to know this. Next Sunday, we are not having church here. Okay? We're not having church at the Forum next Sunday. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock, we are all going to have church. We're all going to be at our new building over there in Christopher. We want you to see the building. We're going to have church there. Is the building done? Nope, it's not. But we want you to see it. And so we're going to have church there next week. Band's going to play. It's going to be an awesome time. And also, we're going to have a meal right after that. It's a potluck meal, so you can bring whatever dish that you want. We're going to put information out about that here in the next few days. But next Sunday, we are not at the forum because we want you to see the building. And, um, and one thing I'll mention before I pray for our offering is several people, several people are stepping up to say, Mark, I want to be a part and, and take a step of faith and be generous, give generously, believe God's leading us uh, to give towards the, uh, finishing off our future building. And I just want to thank those of you who are giving. And if you haven't stepped up, you want to step up even more, continue to do that, continue to do that. In two weeks, we've raised over $20,000. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal, man. And so we're just praying and just believing God because God has, God can. All right? So let's pray. We're going to stand and sing. I want everybody, when the, after the band dismisses you, let's go out and watch these students get baptized. All right? Everybody stand up. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he's done. I pray that you, 
that, God, you would bless every person that takes a step and gives. Maybe somebody's giving for the first time or a hundredth time. Jesus, giving is a reflection of our hearts. And we give because you have been faithful. You're going to continue to be faithful to us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen. You give as God leads you to give this morning.